Tonight we watched 301 Dalmatians. No, Stuart, it was 300 Rise of an Empire. And boy, did it ever. <laughs> Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and I'm Elliot Kalin with a little bit of a stuffed nose. All right. Oh. Well, right off the bat, I just want to say there's been a lot of controversy. <laughs> what was that? Whoa. Hey, buddy, let us settle into this. Settle in no, a little no. bit. You don't there's just no dive time. into a hot bath. There's no time. Right off the bat, there's, been, this a little, about, there's this been a little controversy. Is this about Mosember or whatever? No, 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 it's about, look, Escape, parentheses, the Pina Colada song. <laughs> Not a Jimmy Buffett song. No, I told you it wasn't a Jimmy Buffett song. But here's the thing. In my mind, as far as I'm concerned, all tropical songs become Jimmy Buffett songs uh, over I've time. I've got three syllables Kokomo for you, dude. Kokomo. Is, is not a Jimmy Buffett Kokomo song. Kokomo is just two years away from becoming a Jimmy Buffett song. <laughs> Any song that could conceivably play, be played at a Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville restaurant is a Jimmy Buffett That's song. That's not how that works. It's the way that Xerox he, was he a product. claims So them, you're saying Jimmy Buffett has became, now become a, a word. As a, yeah. Jimmy Buffett is no longer a, a brand name, no. but in fact a common word like Q-tip Xerox or Kleenex. Kleenex. Yeah. Aspirin, all of these things. Yeah. So I'm guessing you got a lot of letters. I guess about I'm guessing this. aspirin is some kind of wife's butt magazine you get. <laughs> like it's short for ass princess. Princess. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's ass princess good. with the cess ripped off. It does sound pretty good. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, did you get? There was some chatter about There's this. A lot of chatter on the Facebook page. But hey, you know what else there was chatter about before we get into the show? That? Our yeah. Yonkers show was a smashing success. Yeah. So smashing. Let's thank all of our fans who came out to Yonkers from all over the country and other countries. To see us perform. Yeah. They were really great. It was a In great the audience. In of America, they came to see us. <laughs> and guys, I just want to, I, I know I might get some flack for this, but I also want to thank all those fans who couldn't make it out because they aren't able to make it to Yonkers. Hey, yeah. You guys are great, too. Because they're you're ghosts. All, you're all heroes in your own you're way. you're all ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so let's... I mean, a lot of people made it that made it a point to come to Yonkers. It seems like the only reason you so wouldn't that concludes, come is you're dead. That concludes the... Oh, uh, okay. That concludes the old business. We covered that. Thanks for coming to Yonkers. It was a great show. Uh, and we hope to see you at our January show. Mm-hmm. We're glad you made it to Yonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan explained his bizarre theory that every bu- song is a Jimmy Buffett song. <laughs> Once he gets I guess his sticky we didn't start fingers. the fire every as a Jimmy Buffett song. song so like the Buffett Tiki song. Bird song, is that a the Jimmy yeah. Buffett song? The Tiki Bird song is... In, is I refuse to live in that world. <laughs> I refuse to live in that Come world. Come genre is what I'm Once saying. Once he gets his like pineapple juice and gross <laughs> ketchup... Stained fingers all over the <laughs> That's from the cheeseburger of paradise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so this is a this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Tonight we watched a sequel. A oh. squeakle. A squeakle, if you will. No, we won't, because it was not a squeakle. There was no squeaking. <laughs> it was called 300 colon Rise of an Empire. You probably already know that, though, because when you download the episode on yeah, it's on the title. talking box or whatever. Yeah, and then I say it in the introduction, too. Like, it's really not. Yeah, it's never a shot. It's not a big. This is yeah. not when people it's find out. It's for people who have time. not been paying attention, honestly. Oh, okay. Like, so you and Stuart, t- Tell basically. you three times. Shame <laughs> on you. 
what what? So this was a this was a sequel to Three Hundred, a movie that Stuart and I both really like, genuinely. And I thought it was eh, all right. And I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder fan, but I'll admit Three Hundred visionary lot- director Jack Snyder. You don't? He like is him? a visionary. That's true. Uh, he, Jack Snyder. Uh, Jack Snyder. <laughs> Jump in, Jack Snyder. He was Jack. He was, he was, he was Jack Snyder before and the change. <laughs> Wait, before he changed his name to Zack. <laughs> yeah. Now. With Snyder's pretzels, yeah. yeah. Now uh, he's the son of Tom Snyder. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, Zack Snyder, the best thing that Zack Snyder has done is the uh, pre credit sequence. No pre credit, whatever, baby <laughs> Huey. <laughs> the pre credit sequence. Wait, I I'm oh. not a huge fan of Zack Snyder, oh, but the Watchmen like credit <laughs> sequence is very good. I was going to say the pre credit <laughs> sequence to the Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, your baby voice lost it near the end there. Yeah, I'm sorry. that's okay. Well, you that know, baby should have been watching. It was the zombie baby from Dawn of the Dead. Uh, wait, from the baby was in the opening? No, no, that Dan was doing the voice. Oh, opening. okay. Not I mean, every baby, every baby is in a, in an opening at some point. It's how you get them out of there. <laughs> you show me a baby, I'll yeah. show you one who's been through an opening. It's an, a C section an still, still an opening. It's really an exit for the baby. It's not. A, uh, it opens, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess it does open. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, because it, it, it's closed. That's how a baby gets out of it. Because you know what about exits? They don't open. <laughs> You're right. I'm going to just go. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Walk. Walk away. Walking. Gone. Dan gone. <laughs> okay, chain gone, rattle, Dan chain gone. rattle, door closed. <laughs> yeah, boogans, etc. Thunder sound. So, 300. That's It's a stupid movie, but I find it pretty fun. It is high operatic cornball. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like a movie made out of heavy metal covers, just tossed together. And and for the most part, the people acting in it understand this and are way over the top. They're at the right pitch of like, yeah, goofy over the top spectacle. Whereas, just spoiler alert: Three Hundred Rise of an Empire. Instead of having Gerard Butler in what's still his best role by far, right? Better than um, Bad Soccer Dad. Soccer Dad, Bad Dad. Yeah. The they, Ugly Truth. Come on. Yeah, so he's oh, been yeah. bad in everything, <laughs> except 300. He is replaced here with uh, some guy whose name I don't even know, who is... From Strike Back. The guy from Strike Back. Who is, is he the guy in Strike Back who catches the nuclear weapon like a football? Well, I don't know what a nuclear weapon is. It's a nuclear <laughs> weapon. I've heard it about a nuclear weapon. <laughs> Pedantic. Uh, I've never seen it. What was his name in this? Mistalodonese? No, he's Themistocles, which is a real person. Themistocles. Now, <laughs> the mystic knees. The mystic knees. the old blues song. Oh, the mystic knees. <laughs> yeah. They're mystic knees. They're yeah. mystic knees. They sure got me. They're mystic knees. Well, you blues I'm records. Old, old Jack Sparta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mississippi Delta Blues man who sings about ancient Greece. I played but down I at the hot gates. <laughs> See ya. A little bit of the Thermopylae blues. <laughs> down, 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 down. Just 300 of us here. And Xerxes coming round. Oh, there's 300 of us here. And Xerxes coming round. You make a good point. Which Better is that. tell my woman. <clears throat> There's some bad stuff to be found. <laughs> yeah. That's every blues you song. You make a good point. They all the sound blues the same. songs are terrible. The blues is bad. <laughs> you're bad for liking it. If you enjoy it, wow, that's you're a little wrong. far. That's a little too far. Yeah, you're a bad person. Because out of the blues came something great. 
Zydeco. <laughs> we all love Zydeco with its accordions and its whatever it does, whatever else it does. You know, and you, the knuckles, you play your knuckles. <laughs> yeah, Sonic and Knuckles, classic sure. Zydeco duo. And Tails. Uh, Tails broke up with the group, yeah. <laughs> Tails died. Split off. <laughs> Tails. Tails died. Go to DeviantArt. There's probably a shitload of pictures of it. Of dead Tails. Oh, and Sonic, Sonic was weeping. <laughs> Sonic's all in black, black veil, yeah. Sure. Because he was Tails' wife. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about it. So this is a sequel to 300, but it happens both before before and concurrently and after 300. So it's like yeah. the Godfather Part 2 of 300 movies, where it's bouncing around in time. Yeah. We open, okay. The parallel sequel. In the last movie, it was the Battle of Thermopylae, 300 Spartans, and about a ton of other Greek guys, but let's not talk about them, yeah. versus the army of Xerxes, the Persian emperor who uh, is monster game? Who is a monster man? And he's got an army squad. of monster people. <laughs> he does have a monster <laughs> he does have a monster squad. squad. And here's one of the things I love about 300, the first movie. Okay, it is bonkers, crazy eight myth stuff. They are they are fighting an army of monsters. Xerxes is like 18 <laughs> feet tall and talks in this like low core of the earth voice. Like everything about it is totally ridiculous. A guy, a, a rhinoceros is charging at them and a guy throws his spear and it's timed just right so that the dead rhinoceros slides right up to them but not far enough to ha- to touch them. Like, now, not enough love, to like get dust on his sandals. Yeah. Do you love the homophobia of the original 300? I don't, and I'll tell you they're why. They're kind of gay monsters. So uh, well, yes, there is the- a, the, well, I don't know if it's gay so much as sexually decadent yeah, because it's implied they're that gay they're having mid- that Mid-Easterners. they're having that weird like orgy of amputees and scarred yeah. women and things like that. I mean, they're they let's get one thing straight. These are a racist bunch of movies. Yeah, it's a xenophobic. Uh, These are movies about series. about white English accented Greeks with relatively light hair versus monsters <laughs> versus Persian monsters <laughs> and or attacking uh, the homeland. And but here's the thing: at its heart. It is about a bunch of he-men. It's about love. It's the closest <laughs> we're going to get to it. No, it's a tale. It's hard. Tale it's is a old tale as, of, a, of a boy and his dog. Tale as old as time. Well, a couple thousand years old. It's about. It's the closest you're going to get to a he-man movie. It's these mm. buff guys fighting monster men. Who would be Ram Man then? Who's Orko? <laughs> That's Orko, unfortunately, is not in it. And as we said, watching this movie, it could have used a kind of wisecracking <laughs> wizard. Yeah. Now, because here, here's the problem with 300: Rise of M- an Empire. They cut out most of the monsters, and I think they tried to tack more towards real history to a point, but then they did it in a stupid way. So let's talk about what's going on. The movie opens with uh, Lena Headey's character, Queen Gorgo of Sparta, <laughs> and I wish she was Gorgo the British Godzilla, yeah. uh, who you may remember from the movie Gorgo. No, I don't. Well, it was the British Gorgo. knockoff of Godzilla. Okay. And uh, he's basically Godzilla, but he's got fins for ears. <laughs> there's baby Gorgo and there's mama Gorgo. But let's, we don't need to get into that. And then there's Gorgonzola, which is, of course, is a Greek cheese that fought the Persians. <laughs> okay. Uh, so she's she's like, hey, you guys remember all the, that uh, King Leonidas and all those men died? Let me give you some backstory. It seems 10 years ago we had the Battle of Marathon, and this guy Themistocles killed King Darius of Persia. But he should have killed King Darius' son Xerxes because his eyes had the stink of fate about them, yep. <laughs> or whatever it is they say. Uh, now, historical Common phrase: his eyes had the stink of fate. <laughs> but at, at this point in this this opening, uh, I guess monologue, and we get a battle sequence, and this is not terrible. It's, no. it's shot okay. I mean, it's it's a it's a you know it's a three hundred style dumb battle sequence with lots of. Slow mo and blood flying everywhere. It was like fake CGI and blood, and the colors were all way yeah, overblown it's, it's, and everything. Like you said, it's Mortal Kombat blood. Yeah, the blood in this 
gets seemingly faker and faker as it goes on. And there are parts where it does. And I don't know if that's that's because of the the. The 3D, like they wanted to make it shinier so it would pick up the 3D better. I Could be. I don't know Someone mentioned on uh, the Facebook page about Dracula 3D, the one we watched last episode, that it was lit so brightly to compensate for the light you lose when you do it in 3D. Which made sense. Which I'm makes surprised sense. we didn't think about it. Although but it still looked like shit. Here it's like they need more stuff to throw at you because it's 3D. And much like the Hercules movie we watched, in ancient times apparently there was always like pollen and cinders and feather and shit mm-hmm. just flying around in the air all the time. Yeah, and stuff that gives you a sense of depth. <laughs> like just happens to be in the air. But also like ancient people must have had terrible lungs. Like they're just breathing in crap all the time. Apparently industrialization was the best thing that ever happened when it came to clean air. And pretty much ancient all of air Greece was dirty. Is all of Greece that we see is like black lava rocks. Yeah. It's like, just, why does Persia want it so bad, dude? It just dude? blasted cliffs, yeah, uh, against an because unrelenting, unsympathetic warriors? sea. <laughs> I guess so. But anyway, uh, she tells the tale still about how uh, Xerxes was, now became emperor, and he took on Darius's top commander, Artemisia. Darius now, Argento's <laughs> top commander. Thank God not. Yeah. So... Artemisia, Eva Green's character, is it's your classic story in mm-hmm. these movies. She is a little girl who was sold into slavery, repeatedly raped, left for dead, picked up by a Persian general and trained to be the world's greatest badass warrior queen. Mm-hmm. She's basically like Gamora from Guardians yep. of the Galaxy or like, uh, you know, Xena or... Or uh, Mara Jade. Mara Jade from the Star Wars Blood extended Rain, universe. I don't, know. I don't know what you're... I've, Mara I've, Jade? Oh, yeah. Mara Jade. She married Luke Skywalker eventually. What? She's yeah. the most popular addition to the can- Star Wars canon made by Timothy Zahn. Yeah, I'm sorry. Call Star Wars on real quick. Uh, hello. Timothy Zahn? Oh, no, sorry. It's your brother Steve. Steve Zahn. <laughs> Tell your brother Timothy who wrote the Star Wars books. Dan doesn't know what he's talking about. You're getting an I angry mean, letter from Steve Zahn. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the Star Wars canon consists of the Star Wars movies. No, the Star Wars canon is a canon that shoots Star Wars DVDs at people. <laughs> okay. Very ineffective in a siege situation, <laughs> yeah. but Leonardo da Vinci invented it. And people, and it, are, it's people are really disappointed when they get episode one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah it's oh, terrible for Mariah. Wow. <laughs> it's like throwing the heads of your enemies at them. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Artemisia is the, let's just say it, the best character in the whole movie. She's great. The yeah. only interesting character. And Eva Green has that type of performance you were talking about. She's got it. She is. She has got it, and by it, it is scenery chewing ham boneness. Yeah, just total ham. In and the, the willingness to have a fight slash sex scene topless. Yeah, both of those things totally make her pop off the screen because <laughs> it's three D boobs. Is that what yeah. you're saying? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, make it her. Sergey Popov. <laughs> something. There's just something ineffable about her. Uh, it could be the fact that she's fighting topless. <laughs> could be. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway, Artem- science will tell us. And now this is <laughs> sure. this this sequence is the best part of the movie, as far as I'm concerned. It tells the backstory of Artemisia goading Xerxes into going through a mystical rite in the cave of a hermit in the desert, where he <laughs> walks into a pool of magic gold liquid and walks out as the 18 foot tall, chain covered, totally hairless. Yeah androgynous monster king that we know from the first movie. And the hermit says, Gold! You're taking my gold! <laughs> it's all over your body! Give me back my gold! There's gold in them there, Xerxes! Why am I a hermit if I have all the gold? <laughs> uh, rich! Rich, I tells you! Rich! <laughs> it's ancient Persian! <laughs> <laughs> What a great character. <laughs> yeah, the, the Persian gold prospecting <laughs> yep. hermit. I want to see that. 
303. Hermit. <laughs> a hermit's tale. <laughs> a hermit's tale. So is it the tale of how he became a hermit, or is it how he stops becoming a hermit? Or just him in his cave, just, just eating his, his own scabs for sustenance. Tell, telling stories. Him in his cave, occasionally shooting his shotgun above the heads of people who come close to his cave. Stay away from a cave, Xerxes! A, stra- a traveler shows up, and the hermit delights him with erotic adventures and tales. <laughs> yeah, a thousand and one of them. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the Red Hermit Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Hermit. Nobody's reading it aloud. Dear Hermit, I have I a story to tell you. Well, I don't know how this guy got my address, but I'll read it. I live in a cave. <laughs> I guess I'll read it in a state of undress. <laughs> While touching myself. No one can see me. I'm a hermit. I'm a hermit. Get those cameras out of here. <laughs> Showtime. Call us Showtime. <laughs> Zalman Hobo Kings, the Red Hermit Diaries. Okay, so. Not even Zalman God King, I think, would be no, more no. appropriate. No, no. Xerxes is the God King in this one. Uh, so basically, at that point, the movie then shifts and it becomes concurrent with three with uh, the Battle of Thermopylae. Yep. Themistocles is fighting a bunch of battles. He, after Marathon, when he killed Darius, he fights battles against Xerxes. They fight uh, the Battle of Artemisium, which is this big naval battle. They fight the Battle of Salamis later on. Yeah, I don't uh, think that was a... the Battle of Salamis. They're hitting each other with big salamis, <laughs> and it's basically. Oh yeah, I remember that from an old Three Stooges show. Yeah. And at this point, it's it just ancient Greece. it kind of becomes like a Classics Illustrated shitty history of the Persian Wars. Mm-hmm. Is it's just battle after battle, speech after speech. The characters are cardboards all get out. Occasionally, Eva Green will show up and liven things up. But, like, mm-hmm. there aren't even any monster men for most of it. Mm-hmm. Like, are they? it's like the last half hour, they're like, oh, yeah, were there monsters in this thing? You're saying that if uh, TNT's Monster Vision was interested in this movie, they would have to pass it over. Yeah, entirely. <laughs> well, I mean, Monster Vision showed a lot of movies without monsters in them. What? They've gone way off message. Uh-oh, you better talk to Joe Bob Briggs. <laughs> This wasn't in your per, in your remit, Joe Bob. Yep, just send it to his hermit's cave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just JBB. Yeah, don't. He's it. Hermit, hermit Joe Bob Riggs. Today we've got lonely foo, <laughs> solitary foo, talking to nobody foo, no boobs. This <laughs> is hermit Joe Bob is giving the ratings for that for that that day's nothing. Yeah, he's telling it to. The, the the picked over skull of a cow that he has <laughs> in his in his cave. Uh, Artemisia uh, and Themistocles, because this is a movie, they have a sort of romantic savage rivalry, which mm-hmm. comes to a head when they come to a head and have sex with each other while fighting. She offers yeah. to have him join her because he's a brilliant general who's been outwitting her, and she is a brilliant generaless who is a hellcat in the sack. He says no. Yeah, and they have a little rough sex, which does not get consummated because he. Uh, well, I mean, the sex her. is the consummation, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, there's no. I mean, clearly, does the sex does not continue to uh, either of their completion? Completion. No, oh, yeah, like, sure. Well, she, we don't know that about him. I guess that's as soon true. as he pulled out, he might have been like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> anybody got a band aid? <laughs> we seem Wait, clutching a band aid. <laughs> yeah, how do you guys do your urethra? <laughs> yeah. 
I don't like where this is going. Coming out, I don't understand why. Just staunch the flow. He's never had sex before, so he's like, I've got a leak. Ah, my soul essence is leaking out. I'm bleeding white, gooey blood. Okay, stop. Stop, please. Stop right there. Please stop. But we do see him clutching a cape to his to his crotch, so maybe he's just kind of trying to mop up. Yeah. Uh they, there's like more and more fighting and at, at, at a certain point we're like so did they forget that Lena Headey was telling this story mm-hmm. because then we get to the Battle of Salamis where they're fighting on a bunch of ships and it just becomes a video game you are just behind a CGI Themistocles on a horse as he rides around across ships slashing guys and going through fire mm-hmm. uh, and then he's having a uh, complete with like Shots of zooming in on uh, Artemisia across the sea and then cutting back to him and then he decides to go on a different route. It's garbage. It's, yeah. And uh, it looks like you're watching someone play Shenmue. Remember that game? Yeah. 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 Was Shenmue. that Dream, Dreamcast that yeah. was for? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Remember uh, remember Mario Kart, guys? Remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a lot like Mario, Mario Kart. Kart. Yeah, yeah, because he kept throwing shells at people. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shells? There's bananas? Banana peels? <laughs> oh, tons of banana peels, Dan. All right. Is Dan okay? Just trying to relate to I think you he's guys. having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> trying to relate saying, to us, yeah, to the young people. Yeah. Banana peels. Yeah, j- <laughs> joust? You guys remember Joust? I don't like where this, again, this is just old video games now. Okay, so, so there's a big battle. There's a big battle, and they're fighting, and then you hear Lena Headey. You haven't heard her narration. Oh, there's also a part in the middle where where one of the characters starts telling Themistocles Artemisia's backstory. So it's a nice nested flashback where you're like, all right, so what is going on here? Now, after this yeah, point... you feel like you need to diagram this movie a little off bit. Off camera, the, ba- the Battle mm-hmm. of Thermopylae happened. Now this is after the Battle of Thermopylae. Artemisia and Themistocles have met up for their final duel, and they got swords to each other's necks, and you hear Lena Headey, a wind rustled, caressed her hair like a lover's hand, blah, blah, blah. And you see that Lena Headey is standing on an approaching ship with a bunch of Spartan soldiers... Because she's the queen of Sparta and whatever. And it's like, wait, so the whole movie was her telling them a story as they got to this battle. But she was narrating the battle that was happening that they hadn't gotten to yet. And then they end. Seems like it, dude. Artemisia forces Themistocles' hand. He kills her after offering to let her go. And the Spartans. Much to our groans of consternation. Yeah, because she's the best character. And then the the Spartans come and attack everybody. And that's the end. And Western civilization is saved from the evil monster Persians. But here's the thing. I would have liked this movie more if... Lena, if uh, Artemisia had killed Themistocles, oh totally, killed everybody else, then mm-hmm. gotten into a spaceship and like had a bunch of space adventures. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as I said while we were watching it, you could easily do a crossover between Three Hundred and Stargate, and it wouldn't be weird. It would look totally normal because they both have the same villain too. Yeah, yeah, because Xerxes looks like a uh, a Guaul is what they're now called, I mean, Dan. Now I really like. <laughs> now I really want to see this movie though, where like there's just like awesome assassin. Persian princess, and I would who, feel like well, she's actually space. Greek. She just works for the Persians. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, but she's this she's this awesome assassin. And if it was a crossover with Stargate, she could have sex with James Spader. It would be uh-huh. really rough and in a creepy. car crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of these Stargate three hundred crash crossovers. It's called James, a Star Crash. And then she becomes <laughs> <laughs> no Star Crash is a different movie. Whoa, that doesn't happen in Star Crash. She'll be very disappointed. And then she's James Spader's secretary, and he spanks her when she gets the the. Don't be creepy. What? It's just you do another. Oh, but I don't be we creepy. And then he'll Artemisia's tough, and then she he'll blacklist same, everybody. He'll yeah. blacklist everyone. Yeah, he'll she's wear a fedora around. She's tough, and, <laughs> and be puffy on the cover of magazines. Yeah. Uh. So here's the thing: this is a very boring movie for a lot of it, mm-hmm. but it's got this one performance in it 
that's really exciting. Yep. You wonder, like, why didn't they make this just about her? Why did they have to make the Greeks the heroes? Why couldn't they have made her the hero? I mean, she loses in the end, but... But, I mean, like, that's just, like, you write a movie, and you don't necessarily know what's going to go on with the casting. Like, the thing is, like... They got lucky with the casting of her and apparently did not know how to cast anyone else. I guess, but her like. character is even written more interestingly than the That's other true. ones. Like, instead, it's, this, it's the old villain has more fun thing. Like, yeah. the hero gives a lot of speeches about we need to be free men, democracy, the united Greece to have freedom and liberty, but he never really seems to believe any of it. He's just kind of like yelling things at his men to get them to fight all oiled up and shirtless. Meanwhile, she seem, she's written in a way that it's like, yeah, okay, she has a motivation. Like, she was thrown away by the Greeks. Now she wants to get revenge, but also she has a lust for power, and she likes to use people. And she know? had the, and she, in a she, way, like, rose Xerxes to power, and yeah. she even has the opportunity to, like, go against his wishes, which is cool. Like, she she is a more interesting character. Everything about her is more interesting than this guy who is just battle after battle, speech after speech, but he, we don't give a shit about him, you know. Mm-hmm. He has no nothing to interest us other than, in theory, he is the he- a hero. <clears throat> no, I'm totally with you. And telling it from her perspective would tie it closer to the original 300 with the idea of the hero dies at the end. Yeah. Um, but it, fe- it felt so much like when you take the 300 story and you change... Well, we, I mean, you're not taking the exact story, but when you're taking that, that era of time and then you just change all the things that would conveniently make a more positive movie, like instead of having them sacrifice their lives, you know, for no appreciable effect, instead they have the, uh, they have the good guys winning at the end of, at the end of the day. I mean, they did, the Greeks did win that battle. In real life, no, I know, but if uh, and there's even like a like a a boss fight at the end. Yeah, which well, that's three hundred never had that moment of like it's not like release. I guess Xerxes and and Gerard Butler didn't have like a hand to hand combat scene. Which aside from that, they Gerard only met Butler would have been fucked because Xerxes has that giant magic axe that he's carrying in this <laughs> yeah, movie that he just cuts people's heads <laughs> off with. Where did he get a horse big enough to carry him around? Because he's so huge. Well, he must have bred it. It's like a destroyer, you know, some kind of dreadnought horse or something. Sure. One of those horses that they used to breed in medieval times that were strong enough to carry a man on in armor, but they were so expensive you never actually rode him into battle. Was that the medieval times in New Jersey or? Yeah, yeah, the medieval times in Bayonne, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> here's the thing. They took a movie that was goofy as all get out. Yes. Removed the stuff that made it fun and goofy. Most of the except stuff for a that little made it fun bit, and Except goofy. for a little bit. Uh, and then took it for granted that the audience was just along for the run. There was a lot of, like, goodwill fumes from 300 that this movie used up. Yeah, I hate to say that, like, basing the original 300 on Frank Miller's graphic novel in some ways was a benefit because they managed to throw in a ton of extra shit, like the like the weird uh, Temple of the Oracles yeah. and all that other weird stuff that at least added flavor and character, yeah. like Hermit Caves. <laughs> But also, well, that, that's the the first, the best part of it is in the beginning they have the hermit cave and stuff. But it felt like while we watched the movie, I said this feels like we're watching if ancient Greeks had had movies and they made a movie about this. This is the movie they would make: heroic, <laughs> bare-chested Greeks fighting monster men who use evil magic. And then the movie like forgot about all that stuff. What were you gonna say, Dan? No, I, I said this while we we're watching the movie, but also too, I feel like this movie actually suffered from um, not being. A adaptation of a, a and comic, adaptation and adaptation of a comic in that the first three hundred um, kind of took advantage of its fakeness 
um, in the backdrops to really mirror the uh, panels of a comic strip. Like it had a certain two-dimensional quality, like, and all the action progressed along a two-dimensional line that made it very easy to follow. Whereas this movie had the fakeness of the CGI backgrounds, but it was untethered by that kind of like comic panel look. That's what you meant when you were saying it's two, three D. Yeah, it's it's, it's like that it's third weirdly, dimension was not time, by the way. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, like it. When I say it's two, three D, it doesn't make it mean it makes it look more realistic. I just mean that the stylization is is, is worse. Yeah, like yeah. it's not as clear. You know? I mean, it also doesn't help that, like, the visuals were really murky and dark, and somebody would turn from a human to a CGI figure back to a human within a back and forth within a couple seconds, and the camera's always spinning around. Ah, you know these young kids with their movies with the cameras moving around and the people jumping all over and the they wo- like. wushu and whatnot. Kind of like that last Hercules movie we watched that where they seem to just hit the bullet time button at random points. Yeah. <laughs> like you're watching your friend play Max Payne, and you're like, dude, you're doing it totally wrong. <laughs> But it's. I really wanted to like this movie because I liked the first one, and I had heard that Eva Green had a nude sex scene in it. So I said, okay, sure, I'm on board. Maybe a bunch of monsters cut people's heads off. Mm-hmm. But alas, the monsters were missing. Yeah, we're, 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 we're there already, but let's do final judgments. Uh, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? I say it's a bad, bad movie. I was bored by it almost more than... Like this is in the like 80th or 90th percentile of flop house movies I was bored by. I um, don't know what that number means. Yeah. You know, uh <laughs> you have a calculator where's the Yeah, that is motion is more bored or yeah, less bored. I've been running the numbers. I had Nate Silver over in here. No, more bored. This is one of the oh. Mordor? Yeah, Mordor. Yeah, Mordor. <laughs> Mordor. It looks like I Mordor. I want to take this Ank movie more and pork throw it from the Discworld books in Mordor because <laughs> yeah. that's the only way we can rescue the mov- the world from the evil of this film. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you better be ready to have Golem bite your finger off because I'm sure. not ready to do Why it. Why don't they just have the eagles drop it off for us? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of questions in those Lord of the Rings stories. Why doesn't they? What, the, the old, the old one. Why don't they just hand the ring to Tom Bombadil and let him lose it in his couch somewhere? No one will ever mm-hmm. find it in his magic hermit cabin. Because that's not what he's for, dude. He's too busy banging Goldberry and hanging out with Fatty Lumpkin. <laughs> My favorite part of the books is when they're like, why don't we just give the ring to Tom Bombadil? He's like, eh, he'll just forget it somewhere. Like, when that Tolkien introduced this godlike character, and then he had to realize, like, uh, I guess I'll make him, like, a real doof <laughs> so that they can't trust him. Because otherwise he solves every problem in the whole thing. Um, but you, Yeah, yeah it, it's, a, it's a bad, bad movie. It was, it was really boring and disappointing. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say that, like, there's a good movie, like, there's a good straightforward history movie to be made about the Persian Wars, and there's a good over-the-top crazy movie, and yep. this was neither of them. And it just makes me wonder, when they finally make the movie about the Battle of Cannae that I want them to make so badly, how is it going to be? Good or bad? Hollywood, the choice is You yours. want that to be over-the-top and crazy monster. I mean, either right? way, either over-the-top or I'd love to have a realistic version of it, because that battle was I would was love to see like a super horrendous. over-the-top like Waterloo with like monster French guys. <laughs> And Napoleon on a dragon. <laughs> Napoleon is twelve feet tall and, and, a grim, and breathes fire. And a grim nonplussed Wellington and driving he just a carries fucking a scythe. carriage or something. <laughs> it's called like Waterloo two point Awesome. I mean, that's the other thing though is once once things are a certain amount of time in the past, it, you're, it's okay to just make stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know, 
So they, there was a uh, there's a bunch of movie ideas that my old writing partner Brock and I used to have that were like sure, just yeah, set great. in just set in the idea of <laughs> really cool whatever just set in the idea of the past like as long as it was a long time ago you could throw it in and I, I feel like there's movies that could do that type of thing that don't mm-hmm. uh, before we move on to letters uh, we should do some plugs okay. okay or a plug I don't know whether there's more things to plug than this one thing but Who cares? Uh, the one thing that we should plug is we've got another live show coming up. Not right away, but in January. But it's going to sell out, so buy your tickets. And it's at the Bell House in Brooklyn. It's uh, the opening night of PodFest 2015 here in New York City. It's January 9th yeah. at 10 p.m. Yeah, the doors open at 9.30, shows at 10. Uh, cost is $10 if you buy ahead of time, $12 at the door. Buy it ahead of time, save two bucks. <laughs> then um, give that money to us. <laughs> put it in our tip cups. <laughs> in our tin cups? In our tin cups. In our cups. DVD copy of tin cup? <laughs> yep. Um, that's about all there is Well, that was enthusiastic. We're also, we're also going to plug a uh, something for comic book fans out oh, there. Yeah, sure. Why uh-huh. don't you, that? you should hustle down to your local comic book retailer bang on the counter and say shopkeep i would like to pre-order a copy of the flash gordon holiday special available from dynamite comics now why would they want to do that because it features three stories for the price of one and each story is written by stories there's three of us Uh seems like a weird coincidence that's the thing dan we each wrote a story (laughs) what i did each focusing on a different holiday um, so it's going to be, it's really great. It's, uh, it's a special one shot issue. You don't need to have read anything beforehand, but you should cause that the flash, flash series, series is, really, is great. really good. Yeah. Um, and if you do not have a local comic book shop, which is sad, I feel bad for you. You should instead go on to the internet, which is everywhere. And <laughs> even in your house, <laughs> yep, even in that it's pocket computer, you right now, <laughs> open your mouth. That's internet in there. <laughs> Uh, and go on and pre-order it from the Dynamite website. So that's the Flash Gordon Holiday Special, mm-hmm. number one. And get tickets now for the January 9th show, the Flophouse Live. Oh, New uh, York City Podfest 2015 and at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, Earth. You going to plug your Twitter account? No, no I, just, I, just, <laughs> I just remembered there's another thing I should mention. Uh, I had a brief guest spot on Wham Bam Pow, one of our uh, fellow... Max Fun Network shows um, talking about something that I've talked about many times Butts. on this show, <clears throat> uh, Return of the Living Dead. So Merkins, then, I guess. <laughs> so you've probably heard me talk about it already if you're a fan of this show. But if you want to know what it sounds like when I'm talking, when I'm not being interrupted by Elliot and Stu, check out Wham Bam Pow. That was a little pointed. Sounds great. Do you no, have anything else to true. plug, Elliot? I plugged that book a dad, that I had maybe? an essay in last episode. Never can say goodbye. Have an essay in that. Plug up your fucking pie hole. <laughs> wow. But since wow. Plug, plug Slate even plugged wow. it for you, huh? Yeah, and Slate ran an excerpt. Yeah. Uh, so, Dan, how did you feel about uh, 300 Rise of an Empire? <laughs> I already said I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, well, was it a scarily spookanying or a <laughs> snor- snorkely stupefying or was it a giddily good growth? <laughs> giddily good growth? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the classification. Sure. 
We're in. So he's got you. Is it what kind of a grope no, no. is it? For or, this theme month, which is, is, is it November. a Fazzleberry? No. <laughs> <laughs> November. No, it's no theme. Noidvember. The year we this month we celebrate the Noid. Okay, so or rather your, the avoidance of him. Hide those fucking pizzas. <laughs> he ruins them. <laughs> Excuse me, I am a hunter of pizzas. <laughs> the pizza will hide. The hawk looks where the hawk would hide. He looks in the attic. He looks in the belfry. I look where the pizza would hide, in the basement, in the cellar. In the wooden pizza oven. I mean, America. <laughs> I would not call myself a pizza hunter. <laughs> We've done a lot. We've done a very good job of avoiding the noise over the past decade <laughs> or fifteen years. Or oh well, you got to so. you got to thank the social the the uh, national security state for that. Yeah. yeah, enjoy your surveillance, dude. If it's worth being noid free to have all your emails read by the NSA, have a fucking drone watching you every day, brushing your teeth through the bathroom window. Yeah, enjoy your pizza, dude. Keywords: pepperoni, pizza. <laughs> thirty comes in thirty minutes or less, where your pizza is not free, just like you. Look, actually, guys, look. <laughs> wow, that was a stretch, but I like. Yeah, it. I know. That's just like it's just like George Orwell said in 1984. Big Brother is feeding you All right. pizza. <laughs> two plus two equals noid. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, man. And then they put your face in a cage where noids eat, <laughs> eat it off. <laughs> this ruin it. Yeah. Look. Hey, wake up, pizzas. <laughs> She pizzas. <laughs> wait, wait, she pizza. <laughs> she pizza. She, uh, that's when pizza pizza's cousin got a transfusion from him and became she pizza. Okay, I'm just saying. It's got lamb on it. It's time for occupy pizza. Sounds good. Uh, so does the now- noid even exist? Has anyone ever seen this noid? And yet I've got to take my pizza off when I go to the airport. Yeah, it's a false flag. <laughs> yeah, noid. Um, so it's time to read a few letters from you, the listeners, who write letters to us, the hosts. <clears throat> Seems like a weirdly stilted introduction, <laughs> as if you're expecting something. No, I'm just gonna, just gonna go right in, dive right in. So this first letter is from Brian, last name withheld. Brian wrote us a letter. <laughs> letter number one's from Brian today. Hey, Brian, quit frying in your hate. For guys who don't read your letters, because Dan's gonna, right now, read the letter. And how? It's your letter, Brian. Hey, stop crying. Brian, this day's for you. Are we at the chorus yet? Letter number no. one. <laughs> Maybe it'll be fun. It's Maybe it'll be done to soon. <laughs> but let's make it last forever. This letter, together. Those are three words that don't really rhyme, but I pretended they did for Brian. P.S. Dan. Brian was filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> so this letter goes Whatever like happened to predictability? <laughs> oh boy. The milkman, the letters page. Brian's thing okay. for us. I, he goes, Everywhere <laughs> you read, he writes, there's a letter. <laughs> I Never met Brian before. Who cares? Boom, 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 boom. Letter from Brian. Nightcourt. Nightcourt. It's Nightcourt. So, uh. Brian's letter. Brian's letter. Okay. So the podcast just sang a bunch of (laughs) old TV themes. Thank you for writing a letter. Unsubscribe. Sitting at your computer and write a letter. 
Your fandom's true. You're a pal and you wrote a letter. And if you sent a letter, invited everyone you knew. <laughs> what would you we would do, see baby, your letter would be for us. Without letters. What would we Brian's well, letter reads. Well, there's a time for Brian and a time I for letters. I like when letters. you guys get right to the point. <laughs> so. And don't bullshit around with silly songs. <laughs> so this letter goes like this. Show me that letter again. <laughs> Show me that letter. <laughs> don't waste another minute on this song bit. <laughs> okay, so it goes like this. I recently acquired a role as a monster in a major motion picture. Whoa, I wanted to hear about that. Why did you wait so long? I hope it's I the next 300 movie. 300 <laughs> Rise of Monsters. <laughs> I'm concerned slash excited. Maybe eventually tale. It's called 300. A hermit's tale. tale, Greeks versus Draculas. <laughs> I'm concerned slash excited that it may eventually get viewed for the show. I don't want to specify anything about the movie, but I know that I but know that I personally have no acting chops. Despite me being six foot seven and 170 pounds, it is unfortunately not a movie about Slender Man. Anyway, hopefully I'll have a reason to contact you guys once the movie comes out. And you make fun of the stupid monster in it. Brian, last name with help. Now, come on. I want to know what the movie is Be more is confident now. about yourself. The stupid monster in it. That's you. That's you, man. <laughs> right? That's Be it. happier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he the might be playing side. a stupid monster. Yeah. No, like a... Like what? Like I mean, a, most like a monsters really aren't monster. super smart. Like a, like like a Frankenstein's uh, monster? Or I'm a, a monster. Dar, yeah. dar, dar, the beast master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Singer, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a King Kong, like, name, like a big ape. King Kong's pretty smart for a monster. Yeah, but yeah. Before I mean, more like Gilman. Gilman is dumb as a bag of rocks. Yeah, yep. all right. Um, don't, maybe, Gil, don't get me started on the Metaluna mutant. He's mm-hmm. got a big brain, but he's stupid as hammers. But this guy is more than... <laughs> Hammerman, though. Super smart. And not a monster. He's a, he's guy, a heroic rapper with magic shoes. <laughs> this guy's taller than uh, six and a half feet. And okay. He yes. Is he is he weighs less than I do? Yeah, he's real skinny. So let's. He must I mean, be playing like a I'm pumpkin head or a scarecrow kind of man or something. He's uh like a Skeletor essaying. Yeah, I mean he's, he's writing an essay. Yeah. yeah, maybe he's like a like a ant or something. He's like a real <laughs> monster, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, an ant or an ant or real a spindly monster. Right? Yeah, like an insect monster, pumpkin head, as Elliot said. Yeah, mm-hmm. some kind of spindly monster. I know. Do you look like, like a, a pumpkin head, Brian? That what? Yeah. A what? A daddy long legs monster? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, that's not a spider. That's an insect. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. I didn't say he was a spider. Mm. Yeah, but the implication was clear. <laughs> I don't think. And I was pretty offended by it. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's not Danny Longlegs. Don't apologize to me. Apologize <laughs> to the daddy long legs and his children. <laughs> they lost their mommy leg le- long legs in an accident. <laughs> He's a single dad, just like on Full House. Whatever happened to predictability? <laughs> The milkman, the paper boy, the evening TV. Ah. What a weird song. Really. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Just, what they're really angry about. Why don't they just throw a fucking Beach Boys song in front of that <laughs> well, like, show? Oh, I hope oh, that'd be terrible. Uh, probably Kokomo. My favorite, though, is still the uh, Perfect Strangers song, which is so grandiose for that show. Standing tall <laughs> on the wings of my dreams, which is a lot for a show about a goofy guy with a funny accent to live up to. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, and that um, it's got that plaintive harmonica at the end. Oh, it really touches your heart. As they run up to the uh, Cub Stadium, right? Yeah. Wrigley, Wrigley Field. Yeah, Wrigley Field. <laughs> so Wrigglesley Field. <laughs> founded Rob by Barnabas Field. Rigglesby. Um, this next letter. Okay. Talk slower. <laughs> Stretch it. <Like laughs> this. 
Oh. It's from Finn, last name withheld, who writes, Last night I had a dream in which it's I was... a shark man. <laughs> I had a dream in which I was visiting an elderly relative. Dan, Stewart, and Elliot were hanging out in her kitchen. Dan explained <laughs> that the three of you had started a private detective slash mercenary business together called NYUM, which stands for <laughs> Not Your Usual Mayhem. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty fantastic. The goal and, it's, is- and you say it, yum, because <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> the goal in Stewart's words was to make some money, kick some ass, and maybe get to ride in a helicopter. <laughs> Dan explained that things were, quote, off to a sh- slow start. And the current gig was organizing my aunt's utensil drawer. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a small job for mercenaries. Other, New York utensil manipulators. That uh, could be our name, too. Other yum jobs had included <laughs> gutter repair and walking someone's dog. <laughs> Stuart and I talked I don't about... Know if we really count as mercenaries. <laughs> exactly. We're more handymen. <laughs> Stuart and I talked about Gene Wolfe novels, and it was only after I woke up that I realized Elliot had been wearing a flak jacket and aviator shades the entire time. He looked pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's from Finn, last name withheld. Yeah, you'd be our, uh, you'd be like, we'd call you specs or something. Yeah. Well, let's, like, or brains or I'd something. Be, I'd be brains, but straight, or like nerd bottom or something. <laughs> but strangely, I'm the only one of us who's been in like a real military combat situation, which is weird. You don't know anything about me, dude. I mean, you didn't shoot anybody. <laughs> no, I did not shoot anybody. I shot a lot of bullets, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At targets. Mm-hmm. And I was very worried I'd lose control of the guns. Were bears <laughs> those targets? Yeah, were the famous Target superstores. Afghani ba- <laughs> oh, you know that guy who was shooting up all those Target superstores? Shh, <laughs> wink. You're um, right, Stuart. I don't know anything about you because that part of your record has been redacted, exposed by an order of the president. <laughs> sure. Okay, so this next letter is all really I know long. is you have that plaque that says. Uh, from a grateful universe. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I haven't shot as many bullets as you because knives aren't bullets, dude. <laughs> I shoot them by throwing. You're them. a regular Drax. <laughs> so I'm looking at this, and it's a three. It's a three page long letter. I would like to discourage people from writing three page long letters. Well, but don't this, read them then. Well, this is a pretty good one. Okay. So it goes like so this: So we should settle in, or dear Stuart, Dan, and Elliot, in the order I imagine you standing on an imaginary staircase. After listening to your recent episode on Gangster Squad, I was surprised that you made no mention of the fact that the movie was based, albeit loosely, on a comic book property, especially since your entire podcast seems to reference that comic book and its characters, using catchphrases, animal sidekicks, names, etc. I refer, of course, to the old FC Publications characters, the Peerless Pranking Peaches. Uh... I'm attaching a scan of the cover image from issue 32 of the Flopcat Comics title, Prankster Squad. One of the many FC titles which featured the peerless pranking Peaches, by that time simply known as the original Peaches. Also below is an excerpt from Hal Finkelstein's chapter on the Peaches from his book Floozies, Flopcats, and Fedoras, The Best Forgotten Age of Comics, which is now unfortunately out of print. It goes, quote, It was in 1952 that Flopcat Comics editor-in-chief Mort Flegel decided to team up three of his poorer-selling characters into one team. Duke Wellington, the dapper detective had been a moderately successful crime strip Duke Wellington. <laughs> featuring the adventures of a blue-blooded, cravat-wearing sleuth and his trusty feline sidekick, Sir, Minden, Sir Mittens Mewington III. <laughs> Laughing boy Stan McCoy, Hoover's happiest G-man, took a more slapstick slant with the lead character <laughs> who employed an arsenal of gags, jokes, and lighthearted hijinks to capture criminals. And Quentin 
Elliot Devereaux Kalen or QED Kalen Boy Investigator was a backup feature that even at the time was seen as a cheap Encyclopedia Brown knockoff, despite the fact it predated Encyclopedia Brown by 19 years. In teaming these three characters together, first as the peerless pranking peaches, then after a threatened legal action from pranking Pete's perfectly peerless peach soda, a popular soft drink and hair oil of the day, simply as the original peaches. A popular soft drink and hair oil? Hair oil. Uh, yeah, words. Okay. Flegal would give FC <laughs> I hadn't interrupted you in a while, so I decided to make fun of you. Legal would give FC Publishing its most successful franchise. Soon the original Peaches were featuring in over 15 Flopcat comics titles from the crime-themed Prankster Squad, the horror title Fiendish Tales from the Flophouse of Horribleness. Horror title? Oh, horror. 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 Okay, sorry. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Use context clues, guys. Oh. Use Conte crayons, guys. <laughs> It seemed readers could not, translator <laughs> could not get enough of the trio's mix of intrigue, humor, and educational adventure. In his autobiography, that was something I did. Mort Flegel remembers, <laughs> in those days, the original peaches were everywhere. You couldn't pass a street corner or school playground without hearing a group of kids argue over which of them had to pretend to be QED Kalen. <laughs> In which of them got to be QED Caleb. At the height of their popularity, the Peaches would go up against gangster Mickey Cohen, open a house painting business with Frankenstein, fight over Starlet uh, the Mamie scientist Van Dorn. Or the monster? <laughs> Wait, what do you say about Mamie Van Dorn? Fight over Starlet Mamie Van Dorn, and famously sock Fidel Castro in the kisser. But their success could not last. Public taste was changing, and by the early 60s, the current trend was for spandex clad superheroes. Despite Flegel's attempt to cash in on the craze by having a magical leprechaun genie named Shazam O'Neill bestow superpowers and outlandish costumes on the trio, it seemed the Peaches' days were numbered. In 1963, Rothrick Rutherford... <laughs> then a day later. The actor, then the day after that. ...who portrayed Duke Wellington on the original Peaches' Pelican patrolling an excitement hour, shot himself in the head 17 times, <laughs> and the show was canceled. Oh, no. And How do you do that? <laughs> And the Peaches were explicitly cited in Dr. Herbert Wormstrung's Seduction of the Simple-Minded, for leading lifestyles which were, according to Wormstrung, in opposition to all things decent and completely contradictory to wholesome living. Uh, that's, okay, fair. That's fair. Suddenly, parents were asking if the original Peaches were indeed suitable role models for their impressionable offspring. After all, despite many references to girlfriends, fiancés, and eventually even wives, none ever appeared in the Peaches' many adventures, and the three men always seemed happiest in their own company. <laughs> By 1969. <laughs> I mean, we talk about boobs a lot. I don't know. <laughs> the original Peaches were all but forgotten. And only their spinoff character, the reformed jewel thief and feline philanderer, Franklin Leopold Oscar Prentice Cat, better known as the Flop Cat, remained in the public eye thanks to a national advertising campaign for topical hemorrhoid cream, which used the <laughs> Flop Cat as a mascot. Although this proved to be a bl- blow with his to the character's cult <laughs> credibility, the original party animal was cited by Robert Crumb as a major inspiration for his character Fritz. Crumb said, I was originally going to call it Fritz the Dog, and then I saw this ad for hemorrhoid cream. In the late 80s, visionary British comic scribe Adam Moorcock, a, <laughs> a self-confessed Peaches fan, penned the 12-part deluxe limited maxi series How Peels the Peaches, a dark reimagining of the character's which proved extremely controversial with fans. Wellington, once a suave and cultured man about town, was now a beer-and-boobs-obsessed blue-collar everyman. The always upbeat McCoy... Real Jim Belushi type. <laughs> the upbeat McCoy was revealed to suffer from... I'm looking from for a Jim Belushi type. <laughs> crippling depression. 
His trademark quips and lilting laughs replaced with mournful sighs and nihilistic fatalism. And as for QED Kalen, the boy with a computer brain, traits that once seemed endearing were now simply insufferable. Instead of a sharp-witted repository of useful facts and figures, it became a trivia-obsessed bore, <laughs> constantly quoting obscure data, referencing long-forgotten movies, bursting into song in inopportune moments, and trying the patience of all but the most indulgent of fans. So that was the uh, excerpt. I mean, people like to listen to us. I don't know. Yeah. It seems. And that was from uh, Null Brun. <clears throat> that was from Name Withheld. Well, I have to say that you did a great job with that letter, Dan. Thanks. That you wrote. There I was a know. lot of vocal gymnastics that yeah. uh, normally would be a problem for you. Normally, you and I want to say to whoever wrote that letter, that was a very funny letter, but you almost killed Dan. Mm-hmm. If he had read that in a normal state, his tongue would have jumped down his esophagus no, and strangled no himself. <laughs> he would have choked on his own vocal cords. If I had read that in a normal state, it would be, it would be not being surrounded by you two. Where I could have done it. You too is here? <laughs> Whoa. And I still haven't found. Like Get out of here. This guy. Get out of here, Bono. Bono, over there. <laughs> Bono yeah. Edge, other members of the band whose names I don't know. Get out of here. Get out of here, Bono. You put your songs on my phone without me asking for them. That was bullshit. Let me just tell you that. Um, that was like if he slipped $20 into your underpants while you were wearing them. <laughs> and he was like, pretty nice, right? I gave you $20. No, but you put your hand in my underpants. CDs cost $20 I don't know, that seems like now? A double. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> seems like you get two benefits there. $20 uh, and a hand on your pants. I don't want Bono's hand. No, it's Come not in a guys. good place, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, you're talking... Like you're talking, Wait. you're talking the butt. <laughs> yeah, but look, you're let's talking, leave it up to the listeners' imagination. Whatever, the butt. whatever your part of your bathing suit area you least like having touched by Bono. So when you stick a hand between somebody's butt cheeks, it's called mm-hmm. a wedgie, I think. We yeah. Should. No, no, it's called Bono. You go flappity, flappity. <laughs> we we, we what, uh, established this last time. <laughs> I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. Um, I want to apologize to all the all the listeners on uh, on the guards of decency. Like a good pot apology. Uh, you jumped all over him. Right wow! There. Wow! Hoist on my own batard. <laughs> um, yeah, pot hard. Uh, so, Dan, are you okay? <laughs> I don't know. Now's the point. You seem to be descending into madness, <laughs> and I don't yep. mean the good madness. The English ska band. No, I looked upon. Something out of a Lovecraft tale, and now. But you couldn't come up with a specific reference, could no, you? No, I couldn't. <laughs> couldn't I even know. say the, Necronomicon. The Dunwich Whore. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. The Dunwich Whore. There's some kind of lurker yeah. on the I'm, doorstep. I'm done it's with about, this witch. <laughs> Dunwich. It's, it's about a tan witch. She's done colored. Done colored, yeah. Um, so now it's. Yeah, I'll part. take a Dunwich. That's a, it's a sandwich, uh, but it's got a. It's a fish man. <laughs> yeah. It's all tentacle based. That's the Innsmouth look. All right. So. What are we doing? We recommend a movie <laughs> that we actually liked in opposition to the movie that we watched. Wait, here tonight. on the podcast? Yeah, that's we recommend a movie we liked. Yeah, this is the recommendation mm-hmm. segment. Do we of the like podcast. movies? Sometimes we love that. Elliot, why don't you? Recommend don't we hate something? movies? Just like the title of our podcast? No, that's a different <laughs> podcast. Oh, how did this get made? <laughs> well, hold on, <laughs> the Dissolve Podcast. <laughs> Uh, Slate Culture Crabs. Hey. What's their, what's their hey guys, podcast called? Yep. Slate Culture Crab Festival. That's cool. <laughs> so that was yeah, duh, yeah. WTF, dudes. Hey, who charted? Hey, welcome to Night Vale. You know, <laughs> am I right? Yep. Uh, Doug yeah, loves dude. movies. <laughs> Keith and the girl. And my brother, your brother, and him. 
Well, that's a. That's not. Wait, it's what? A long podcast that's on our network. Well, I mean, we're not talking. Like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Ill of other podcast. I didn't mean to step on anyone's toes. Other podcasts. We're not tarring anything. We're just we're naming. Just podcasts. mentioning things. <laughs> we're naming things and making them doing make em ups. Mm-hmm. Let's so, list some this is listicles. Dan's got. Yeah, we're doing, we're a, doing it's some audio. Buzz, it's an buzz audio, audio listicle. We're buzzing. <laughs> we're buzzing and we're feeding. You're on the Buzz House. Okay, Let we, me can, re- well, we can still salvage this podcast. <laughs> I don't think Let's so. just talk about our... Let's give, let's a, give a, a clean edit, Mark, and here. So I'll start. <laughs> Here's a movie I like that I saw recently. It's a movie called The Plumber, and it's a movie that Peter Weir made for Australian uh, television. Plumber. Yeah, it's the story of Christopher Plummer <laughs> and it's how he started as a plumber. Uh, no. I was I was actually talking about Peter Weir movies uh, yesterday, and I didn't realize he directed Picnic at Hanging Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's one of his. Uh, that's yeah, my favorite. Of his top, top films and Master and Commander. Yeah, he's and other shit directed many. I mean, directed those roughly thirty five years apart. And Master at Hanging Rock. And picnic, picnic. No, and commander. He's, 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 he's really picnic at the edge of the world. He's had a really long career, but you don't. I don't know. You don't he's not someone you think of as like. Like, oh, the new Peter Weir movie is out. Yeah, exactly. But he's been making movies, con- you know, consistently for yeah. many years. Uh, but this is one he made after Green Pic- Card. He directed Green Card, right? I think he did. did he? Yeah. yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, for the him. movie that introduced Gerard Depardieu to America, mm-hmm. so that he could become our father, the hero, and eventually bogus. <laughs> it was sad when America realized that Gerard Depardieu was bogus, <laughs> totally bogus, in fact. Yep. And they said, and like, and like Frankenstein's monster from Monster Squad, they said, "Bogus," and yep. threw him away. And they said they kicked him in the nuts and said, "Gerard Depardieu has nads," just like in Monster He's Squad. Got a wine-soaked pouch <laughs> between his legs. Oh, that's too descriptive. That's where he keeps his wine. Too descriptive. It's, it's a wine skin. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Of course, his name means Gerard of Pardue. <laughs> now, Pardue. So the movie is called The Plumber. It's a movie that Peter Weir made after Picnic at Hanging Rock for Australian television. And the thing about it is it's ostensibly a thriller. These, this couple, one is a prof- this guy is a professor at an Australian college in Sydney, I think. And his wife is an anthropology grad student who's working on her master's. Maybe it's a doctorate. And one day, the pl- this guy who says he's the plumber for their university housing comes in and he's like, oh, you've got a problem in the bathroom. i got to go in there and fix it. And the wife is like, we never called you. I didn't call the plumber. He goes, you got a big problem. This place is going to flood. It's these old buildings. And the plumber is this very talkative, very overbearing, blue-collar guy who wears on his sleeve that he hates elites, hates intellectuals. Uh, he considers himself like a folk singer, man of the people. And there's something very creepy and overbearing about him. And – Without him ever doing too much that's openly threatening, you get this very creepy vibe from him, and so does the wife. And nobody will listen to her that this guy is dangerous as he continues to come in every day, screw up their bathroom more and more, and kind of impose himself on her life more and more until she's forced to do what she can to get him out of her life. And it's one of these movies where, like, looking back on it, there's no scenes that are, like, scare scenes, but there's this level of thriller paranoia that lasts throughout the whole thing that Peter Weir does – uh, and it's almost like if he said, I'm going to take a similar feel to Picnic and Hanging Rock, and I'm going to make a sitcom about a woman and a crazy <laughs> plumber, but I'm going to treat it like it's this sus- like suspense thriller with an almost eerie overtone to it. And I really liked it a lot. 
So The Plumber, directed by Peter Weir, and starring a number of Australian soap opera actors of the time. Natalie Imbruglia? Uh, nope. <laughs> Uh, that okay. is the one Australian soap opera actor. <laughs> yeah, this is not Keith Ledger, one of those Hemsworths. They're on soap operas too, and Thor. I feel like there's the the, the one that <laughs> no Thors. one talks about. There's like the third one no one talks about. I feel like he's a soap opera guy. They have a sister that's going to be female Thor, right? Uh, yeah, well, Lady Thor. Yeah, Wait, Thor. her name is Lady yeah. <laughs> Lady she, Thor. She's the low Thor of the Thor she, people. She Thor. Okay. So the um, plumber. <clears throat> Uh, so I'm going to recommend a movie that needs no recommendation. So don't recommend it. But it's a movie that I watched, we watched recently. Eraserhead. It's about a guy who has a baby. <laughs> That's pretty much what it's about, yeah. It's a bunch of yucks. And uh, When you just, really, Eraserhead and Three Men and a Baby have the same synopsis. A yeah. man who's unprepared to take care of a child has a baby. There's a ghost in the background of Eraserhead? You didn't notice? There's a ton of weird shit flying around in the back of that movie. Yeah, there's but, the angel with the big cheeks and the radiator who sings that weird song. Yeah, it's and then the a, sperm fall on her and she's stomping on him with her high heeled shoes. Yeah, it's a weird dream of a movie that is both unpleasant and unforgettable, sort of hilarious in another way. Oh, it's really funny, but um, it's scary and gross. So if you want to have a real nightmare of an experience, watch Razorhead and the most recent uh, Criterion DVD release. Has a bunch of short uh, David Lynch films. I have not been able to watch all of them yet, mostly because The Granny is like half an hour long, which to me is pretty long for Whoa, a short Well, The film. Granny? But, uh, or The Grandmother, I think it's. Um, but uh, That's I've the length the of ones. a television show. I know, I just haven't had time. How many half hour shows I've do you watch? The, I was watching it on the same. I was trying to watch it on the same night I watched Razorhead, so I, didn't ha- I could not get. Well, to that's that. a fool's errand. But. Um, I did watch uh, The Alphabet was a great five-minute short that's uh, creepy and inexplicable. It's also a great way to form words. <laughs> yeah. You know, for communication, whether speaking or writing. Yeah. and The Alphabet, for, try it today. For math, I recommend Numbers. Oh, yeah, you can't go wrong. That's <laughs> your top choice You're for math. You're recommending the TV show Numbers? <laughs> Num the three years. <laughs> yeah. You're recommending Rob Morrow. Murder by Numbers. <laughs> With Sandra Bullock. <laughs> or or just the police song, Murder by Numbers, yeah, sure. that it was based on. That was, it's weird that that police department decided to release an album. <laughs> but I guess after Ferguson, they had to do something to get their popularity back. <laughs> uh, so erase her head. Okay. R- erase her head? <laughs> yes. What's she going to eat with? This is, this is my secret message to kill somebody. Uh, erase her head. You know what I'm talking about. Barry, wink, wink. Barry, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna. Fam- 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 I haven't even famous started. baby Barry, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> One of the top babies in the country. But anyway, you were saying, Stuart, you had a movie to recommend. So I'm gonna recommend a movie. Um, I'm gonna recommend a movie called Witching and Bitching. I think that's the English title. Uh, the Spanish title is uh. I believe Las Brujas de Zagura Murdi. I'm gonna fuck this shit up. You already um, did. <laughs> so this is uh, this is uh, the most recent movie by Spanish director Alex de la Iglesia. Um, I've Alex se- of the Glacier. Yep. <laughs> uh, I've seen a couple of this guy's movies, uh, but I I I'm not a big crazy fan. He's one of the Spanish directors uh, from the same school as. Uh, 
Inuritu and uh, Quadon and uh, my brain is totally falling. so long takes. <clears throat> um, but he's uh, he's made a lot of movies. He made um, his early. Oh, he, he, he did got the a last fair amount circus. Of, he got right. a fair amount of notoriety for movies. Uh, his debut, Axion Mutante. And the Day of the Beast, and then kind of more recently, I saw Eight Hundred Bullets, which was quite good. Um, and his movies are and uh, Witching and Bitching is similar to a lot of his movies in that it's uh, it manages to balance the intended tone of the movie. In this case, kind of like a horror movie with a lot of uh, silliness. The plot is a couple of guys, a couple of desperate guys, uh, steal jewelry from a pawn shop. And in their escape attempt, they end up uh, in a famous uh, witch town in Spain near the border of France. And, of course, they run afoul of a coven of cannibal witches. And they uh, there's some obvious horror beats that come up, and they get wrapped up in this big... Uh, they get wrapped up in, and the detectives that are following them get wrapped up in a big ritual to find some chosen one. Um, but it manages to be a fairly effective horror comedy. Uh, and it, there, uh, the conclusion ends up running a little bit long and not every single beat hits, but it manages to be charming enough that it works. And of course, like, uh, like a lot of his other movies, it manages to feature a conclusion where both like, the the villains have lost and the good guys have won, but they're all kind of happy at the end, <laughs> uh, and it has a very uh, it has a very jovial tone. So uh, yeah, check it out. All well, right, you guys didn't interrupt me at all. We were we were both riveted, <laughs> we were both riveted by it, uh, riveted with exhaustion. That too, and very tired. Um, and yet somehow I seem to find energy to interrupt Dan. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, you know, when, <laughs> like if a car was on your child, you'd have the strength to lift it up. Do you've not got, ever joke about that. That boy is a treasure you. and a joy. Are you threatening him? What, no, like I'm, the I mean, tire is on him you. or like it's any part of the car? It's crushing him? No. Like, okay. Like it's, <laughs> it's just kind of touching him? Yeah. <laughs> if he's, maybe he's in a car. Crawled under the car, maybe. Oh, well, then I'll just go get him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a baby's day out. <laughs> classic. <laughs> Pretty boring day. <laughs> Officers, we got a classic baby's day out scenario. <laughs> There's a baby on the loose. He's causing hijinks, almost getting hurt, but then not. Yeah. He's like a real Mr. Magoo of babies. Uh, I said I'd never deal with something like this since the jungle to jungle scandal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening yet again. Who knows why you keep tuning in, but we appreciate I it. I certainly don't. Uh, for the Flophouse. 300, Rise of Empire. <laughs> rise of an Empire. Rise I, of the Empire. Rise of an Empire. Dun, 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 the dun, Empire dun, 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 strikes dun, dun. back. I've been Dan McCoy. You I are. am Stuart Wellington. And I will always be Elliot Kalin to my eternal shame. Never forget it. Good night, everyone. Hi and Lois. Hi, hi and Lois. Hi and Lois. Oh, yeah, Trixie is sitting in the sunbeam. <laughs> hi and Lois. Because people wanted to know what's Beetle Bailey's sister up to. Oh, I forgot that was a spinoff. Yeah. Wait, which one? 
I had Lois. Lois. No, but which Beta one Bailey. was Beetle Bailey's sister? Lois. Lois, okay. <laughs> yeah. Is High a person? High is the High's, husband. Yeah. Okay. It's like short for Highland or something. Is there is, is there a High and Lois where they get a letter uh, about Beetle Bailey being killed in the war? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, there still is. Alive. Wait, Bailey, he's still alive? Peter Bailey sw- serves at Camp Swampy, which is back on American soil. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, all those stories are from before he shipped off and died. Okay. Yeah. I thought he got killed uh, from Friendly Fire in Camp Swampy because no, he couldn't peel potatoes <laughs> <Yeah>. fast <laughs> enough. Because he was Sarge too busy. Shot him. The general, general half-track was too busy chasing Miss <laughs> Buxley around a desk, and his gun went off and shot Beetle Bailey through sure. a window. Sarge shot him for insubordination. <laughs> it was actually Sarge's dog who did it. He was killed. He was he was killed for treason. <laughs> he was stealing secrets for the Chinese. Actually, much like Jacob's ladder, all the Beetle Bailey, Bailey comic strip is happening in Beetle Bailey's mind in the moment he's killed. It's like an incident in Owl Creek Bridge. Exactly. Yeah.